Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Wrestling Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org. So I did have a long sermon. I will learn to cut this one short. (laughs) My goodness. I don't even know how to start after that one. (laughs) Well, let me just go straight into it to save time. Um, We've been continuing in in our sermon series in the book of Joshua. And we had looked at how the Lord had called Joshua and Israel into this promised land. And he gave very, very direct orders. And if you remember, they went to Jericho and they conquered, defeated the the city of Jericho just by worship, right? They marched around. They shouted. They blew the trumpets. Acts of worship in faith, and the walls came. It was just so easy for them, right? And then they got to city of Ai. The city on the hill was very strategic on the way to Bethel. That was militarily a pivot's point to conquer all the other places. But then they got their butt whooped. Right? They got chased out, and they were wondering what happened, and it was all because one man had compromised. One man didn't obey the Lord's commandment. He thought he could get away with it because as long as other people don't know, what's it going to hurt? And so he, because of that disobedience, um, they failed. Some people died. And, and so we arrive at Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me there. But I want us to consider what happened after. What happened after the sin? What happened after the fall? And they're discouraged. There was a trajectory of God's plan and inheritance that was promised and ready to give to the Israelites. But they had sinned. But then we arrive in Joshua 8 where they had repented. They had identified that culprit, uh, judged. Now, what's it going to look like? Okay, so Joshua 8, 1 through 2. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack I. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. Right? So I I recap what happened in in chapter 7. Because of one man, Achan, who... You know, the whole city was set to destruction. It was to be destroyed. Nobody was to take any of the plunder for themselves. The Lord was bringing judgment upon the city. And, but Achan, when he saw that shawl from, you know, Babylonian boutique, he was like, I got to have it. He, had, he coveted it, right? And so he hid it thinking, what's it going to hurt? But then we get to, they identified Achan, his work, and they repented. They cleanse up. And so when we think of repentance, have you guys ever screwed up? 
maybe some of you husbands, come on, come on now. <laughs> you, you did something you shouldn't have or said something that you shouldn't have said it in a certain way. And you apologized. You reconciled. But you knew something wasn't the same anymore. You guys know what I'm talking about? I'm talking big screw up. Even though you work it out, you know that it's not the same anymore. It's in the back of your head. I have failed at trust. I have failed in my honor or whatever it is. It's not just about marriage. I remember having that feeling when I disobeyed and my mother disciplined me. I got punished, well-deserving. And I was sharing that story with my son earlier. <laughs> well-deserving. But even after I got punished, I felt like something's not the same anymore with, between my mother and my, myself. Because after some trust is broken, even though you're punished, it doesn't wipe out, remove everything to be restored. And we have that feeling also when we sin against God. Sometimes when we screw up, we ask for forgiveness. And God says, I will forgive you. But then we think something's not the same. Because when situations get tough in life, you didn't get that job. You didn't get that girl. You didn't get that opportunity, the contract that you were waiting for. You think, God didn't want me to have it because of that sin. Because I messed up. I don't deserve it. Do you guys understand what I'm talking about? Well, I want you to see this as sort of a model. What did God do after that sin? After they were entering into the promise and they had screwed up and they repented, what does it look like after, right? Well, chapter 8, verse 1, what we see is that the Lord restores Joshua to the very words when he first called Joshua. When he first commissioned him to lead his nation, his people set apart the promise of Abraham onto, the, right? He says the very words, he says, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged, which was the very words from Joshua 1. What is he saying? It's as if you had never sinned. I'm restoring you, Joshua. I'm restoring you, the nation of Israel. You are my people. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For I ha who have called you is enabling you. And, the, and then Joshua, he, the Lord calls him, take the entire army, and he gives him the strategy of what to do next. And he says, uh, take the whole army and attack I, for I have delivered into your hands the king of I, his city, and his land. So he reiterates the promise that I am with you. He reiterates that covenant promise and that his presence will be with Joshua and his enemies, your footstools. Okay. Which is good. But when we get to this, after the Lord restores Joshua and his country, he gave very specific orders in verse 8 2. All right. He says, you shall do to I and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourself. Set an ambush, ambush behind the city. So there are two parts to this verse. Bring to 
Okay. There's two parts here. Oh, thank you. That's much better. <laughs> you shall do to I, the city, as you did to Jericho, except you may carry off their plunder. Do you remember what happened with Achan? Okay. Destroy Jericho. But don't take anything. Everything's to be set apart for a complete destruction. Except the difference here is that you're allowed to take the plunder and the livestock for yourself. And then part two of that is set an ambush. There's two parts to this verse. Take the plunder, that's the difference, and set an ambush. Let's talk about the first one. This is what comes to mind. Just like Achan, he saw, he wanted but he knew he wasn't supposed to have it. But he did it anyways. How many of you guys have ever rebelled against your parents' wishes? <laughs> yeah. Why do we do that? Sometimes we think, my mom doesn't know how to have fun. She doesn't want me to have the pleasures in life. She doesn't want me to have the good things. She doesn't know what it means to be a teenager in this day. Right? If your teenager hasn't said that, oh, come on, it will happen. Right? <laughs> and sometimes we have the same feeling towards God. God doesn't want me to have the good things. Maybe it's because of sin. Maybe it's undeserving. Whatever it is. But we have some mindset that says, God doesn't want me to have these pleasures in life. He doesn't want me to be rich. In fact, he wants me to be poor, walk the narrow gate, sleep on a rock, because that's the... How many of you guys heard that? In the church. Right? Especially to pastors. Why do you think I never want to be a pastor? Because I've been told that. You was walking of the narrow gate. You have no place to lay your head upon the rock. You are called for misery. Wow. Oh, I can tell you stories. I've gone to a church and, and, and like, oh, I believe God wants to bless me. And they're like... You're a pastor. You're, you're saying that? Seriously? Yeah. There are some limiting beliefs, bad theology of what the people in the church believe. That if you are called for Christian faith, there is this humility and suffering that we are to endure. But I want you to say that suffering do, do come from the living in this world that is already fallen. But is that our Father's will? I, in fact, he gives us many reasons that how he sustains us and keeps us through the seasons of the valleys and the lows and the dark, dark times. And he blesses us. But, you know, when we look at, he says, take their plunder and the livestock. I, I want you to think this. Achan missed out. In fact, because he could not wait, because he thought, oh, God doesn't want me to have the good stuff, he took it anyways. What happened? He brought judgment upon himself, upon his community. And his own family. He was judged for that very reason. Because he had a bad theology. Bad understanding of the father. If he just waited one more city, he could have been there. And God says, I want you to take that plunder. I want you to take it. I want you to think about why. Why not Jericho and why here in I? Well, there's a place and time for everything. There are seasons that God takes us through. There is plunder that is good, and then there is plunder that is bad. You guys understand that? Jericho was another city different from I. For whatever reason, I'm not saying I know it all. 
I'm just saying Jericho was not the place that God wanted his people to take or to be associated with or to profit from. Have you guys been in places where, let me just, how do you guys know that, how many of you guys know that profit is good? Amen? Profit is good. But how many do you know that profit from a drug deal is bad? (laughs) Is is that pretty easy to understand? Profiting from human trafficking, that's bad. Profit is good in a business sense. But profit, when you benefit from suffering of others, is bad. I'm making this very simple, right? There are places people that God says it's bad. You don't want to have anything to do with it. Even Abraham, if you remember, Abraham, uh, he heard that Lot, his nephew, is taken um, in in a city, and some kings had taken it, and so what does he do? He gets his household, his own army. He goes out and destroys uh, that bad people, takes the livestock, the things. He comes back, Melchizedek, you guys remember that? He gives a tenth of the spoils, and he worships, and this is Jesus. Okay, you guys know that story. Immediately after, king of Sodom approaches Abraham. And he says, Bring me the, give me the people. You can keep the livestock and everything else, right, the plunder. What does Abraham say? Oh, no. No, no, no. In, in fact, he says this. We're, uh, Genesis 14, 22. But Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have raised my hand to the Lord God most high, creator of the heaven and the earth, and, and have taken an oath that I will accept nothing belonging to you, not even a thread or a thong of a sandal, so that you may never be able to say, I made Abram rich. You guys hear that? Abram recognized that King Sodom, uh, not good. And, and we know the story of Sodom and Gomorrah and, and the judgment that befell. Well, Abram knew. I am not to benefit from that king. I am not going to partner, make treaty, relation with somebody that God was going to bring judgment on. That he's going to give me credit to say, I made him rich. No, there's places you benefit and, and profit, but there are places that you don't. I say Jericho was one of them. But then we get to the plunder, and God says, you know, I want you to have the good stuff. You work hard. I want you to benefit from my obedience. God wants you to have the good things. But there are seasons for them. The second part of verse 2, and the Lord said, set an ambush behind the city. Set an ambush behind the city. And do you guys know that when God calls you to do something, he also gives you strategies to succeed. He gives you strategies to succeed. Joshua took 30,000 of his uh, best fighting soldiers, and he positioned them at nighttime. So this is like evening spy reconnaissance, right? Or or not reconnaissance. He sent and hid behind the city. So if we're looking at a map, here is the city of Ai. Bethel is up here in northwest. It's behind the city. The gate's on the east side. I'm a very visual, so I have to, like, see it. Uh, anyways, so they're situated northwest of the city, opposite of the east entrance. They hide. 
Joshua and his 30,000 soldiers are hiding behind. And then the, when the day breaks, 5,000 of the Israelite soldiers come on the east side in the valley area. So here's a scenario. If you're a city on a hill, you have the watchman looking around. And at the clearest visibility in the valley below, you see 5,000 of the soldiers that just tried to attack you, the ones that you just kicked out and, you know, they, you, they ran out. How tempting would it be to knowing that this army is going to try to take you and you see them ahead? Oh, it's too tempting. Let's get them now. Let's really teach them a lesson. You guys understand? Okay. They've already, I had already beat Israel. They had already destroyed and chased them out. Now they're seeing them at a distance nearby. And it's like, we can really teach them a lesson so that they'll never come back. So what did I do? They pursued. Let's take them before they even plan their attack. Because they're sitting ducks in the valley area. It's a whole military strategy. They're like, we got them exactly where we want them. So they, the city of Ai took their entire army, pursued after the Israelites. Except as soon as they left, the 30,000 that was hiding behind came right around and burned down the city. <laughs> They're like, hallelujah. Man, you must be married to a military guy. <laughs> hallelujah. <laughs> Burn down the city. Yeah. <laughs> and so you have the city of Ai sitting on a hill being burned. The soldiers looking back, and their city is in a smoke. And then they realize they're surrounded. You got the Israelites in the, from the city. You got the Israelites that they, were they thought that they were pursuing. They're sandwiched, and they were completely annihilated. God set them up with a strategy to defeat them completely. Why is this interesting? This is so different than all the prior engagements. You guys understand? This is so different because the God gave them strategy that worked, that catered to the mindset of I, who were kind of arrogant because they had already defeated. They situated, it's, God just laid out the detail for them to succeed. I love it. I love good strategies because I'm a strategy guy. <laughs> but what I love is that God, who called Israel, enabled them, empowered them, and then he gave them strategies to succeed. This past week, or was it this week? Last week, last weekend. Uh, we had an ARCO conference. And if you guys don't know what ARCO is, it's a brand-new ministry. Uh, we started um, Pastor Scott Smiley, who's an uh, attorney who's also an executive pastor and senior associate leader of the resting place. Uh, Vicky Piccarelli, I don't know if I'm saying her last name correctly, but phenomenal. She has, like, multiple businesses, highly successful. And so... Um, Anyways, Arco is a network of business entrepreneurs, kingdom entrepreneurs, and we have been doing workshops and teachings to, for people who are interested, how do we bring the kingdom of God in our workplace? How do we lead our business 
with kingdom mindset, and it's been really great. So uh, this past conference, they, asked, they had asked me to uh, lead a workshop or a teaching opportunity, and I talked about marketing. And I never know how these things work, you know. It's just like sermon. We do our best, but you never know the interpretation of those who listen. So I, I talked about marketing, and just the little thing that I, I knew. And then within the days after, I received such affirmation of what God did among the people who listen. Uh, this one local business entrepreneur, and she came to you guys, that was so helpful. Because immediately after you had said these things, God was like downloading all these strategies. So she got together with her team members, and for three hours straight, God was just like giving them strategy after strategy in marketing of what they're supposed to do after and they were just like getting so excited because it was like really good ideas i'm, I'm not saying it's it's for me but i talked about strategies i talked about you know what to do and what you know, few case studies and they took that and god was just like giving the inspirations of what they could do uh, to bring their customers or their clients to be the heroes and you, you got to know the whole context to that uh, here's my point if God calls you, he enables you, he empowers you, gives you opportunities, but he gives you strategies to succeed. So there's a lesson here. There's a lesson here. If God gives you strategies to succeed, what are you supposed to do with it? I think you're supposed to act on it. But how many people get the inspirations get the strategies, and then sit on it. Thinking, no, that's not me. No, uh, there are other people who are far more capable to be able to do something like that, but not me. No, God doesn't want me to have the, the riches or the good stuff. Whatever it is, we, we talk about that and we share about that in Arco. It, it's about kingdom mindset and getting rid of limited beliefs we have limiting beliefs whatever that's about you yourself or your relationship with God whatever excuses we hide behind those are limiting beliefs that keeps us from moving forward but I'm telling you God who enables you who calls you empowers you and give you strategies and when he gives you strategy it's something that you can act on you are to move on and that action that movement is sometimes going to the place that God calls you to go and placing your foot your tread of your foot to accomplish to take on what he tells you to take or he gives you fresh ideas or strategies that has never been done before how great is that it makes you look brilliant a genius when you follow. And you don't have to take credit for it. He goes, all oh, glory to God. But you have to do it. But you won't know the accomplishments and the success that it can bring unless you try. Too many people hide behind excuses and not act on them. Or they say, if God wanted me to have it, he'll just give it to me on my you know, silver platter and just give it to me. He could. But that's not what I see from the Bible. The stuff that I see from the Bible is that he gives you strategies. And when he gives you strategy, he, you, we are to act on them. 
Even James, in the book of James, talk about faith. Okay, you show me your faith by whatever. I'll show you faith by action. Who cares if you say you believe? Great, even the devil believes and shudders. <laughs> we, how many believers, Christians say we believe, we believe, but don't act on what we say we believe. And James says, that's worthless. Who cares if you say you believe and don't act on your beliefs? You say you believe in compassion and helping the poor, but don't help the poor? That's worthless. And there's many examples. You've got to read James chapter 2. And I'm just moving right along here. Yeah. <laughs> moving right along. And I can give you many, many examples of this. But I, I, I do want to say this. I do believe certain cultures foster this give me, give me, give me on a silver platter without me putting any work or actions to it. And I think there's something wrong with that mindset. Years ago, this is before um, I went to seminary or called to ministry. One of my last secular jobs before I went to uh, seminary was this contract, government contract work to help uh, people with disabilities go back to work, to get off of their SSDI or SSI, uh, whatever their state dependence for financial, to give them opportunity to go back to work. Because there's, there's a lot of data that those who work are physically healthier, emotionally, psychologically, much more stable and healthy benefits, right? And, and so because of that study, the government was like, it was like, they believed in win-win. If we enable them and give them opportunities to work, even no matter the conditions that they're in, just then give them opportunities so they can work, they will have the wage and be self-sustaining. They will feel good, they'll be healthier, and the Social Security has one less to pay. Win-win. No, I totally saw the benefits of this. And in fact, when that program was implemented, there were many people who were very excited. So we went from state to state, uh, setting up conferences, talking with vocational resources and, and management of the communities and to help people to find jobs, to placing them, to, to empower them, right? One place, Puerto Rico. And I know many of you guys are Puerto Rican. I'm not discounting it, but I love Puerto Ricans. Uh, let me just say that for the re record. All right. I say that, but in this story, my coworkers went to Puerto Rico to help them and talk to the, the VRs, the vocational resource managers, the community to help to implement this program. And the first thing they said was, it's not going to work. Why? Because then they talked about the culture of that community. And this is what they said. 25% of Puerto Rican people who live on that island are on welfare, on the system. Their complete um, income source was a state. And there's a culture within that place that said, that's a lottery ticket. There's nothing better. You don't have to work. You can get paid. You can live. So these people with the mindset, it's a lottery ticket, I want to be on that system because I don't want to work, but I get paid. You guys understand this? That was embedded into the culture. Not to work 
but to receive without putting in the effort. Long before, the, if you remember the hurricane that demolished and then there was flooding and no electricity for weeks. You guys know what I'm talking about. And then they recognized the financials of her, the territory was in shambles. We knew about that long before. Because when you have 25% of the population being on the system and they don't want to get off, it, it's unhealthy. There is limiting beliefs that there's certain culture, certain people have adopted to say, if God wants me to have it, he'll give it to me on a silver platter. No, I don't see that in the Bible. Because if you want the blessings of God, God give, who it calls you, enables you, empowers you, and they give you strategies to act on. Don't hide behind excuses. Don't hide behind fears. Because he who calls you says, do not be discouraged. Do not fear. I am with you. And do you believe that? Do you believe that? If you believe that, you have to act on it. That's it. Uh, Proverbs 10.4, lazy hands make a man poor, but diligent hands bring a wealth. Proverbs 12.24, be diligent hands will rule, but laziness ends in slave labor. And we joke about this at the resting place. We are the resting place, not the lazy place. And there's a lot going on. And these lot going on is not to twist your arm, manipulate you in any way to serve. I, I want you to get that. I want you to know that when you, if we had that QR code and you snapshot, you see all the ministries that's happening today, this week, this month, and the next several months of the events and the activities of the ministries that we have serving the poor. Serving the foster kids, the opportunities to give to those who are in need. And there are opportunities that we are allowed to sow into to say, we believe, and I want to act on what I say I believe. You guys understand that? Whether you do or not, I don't care. But I'm not twisting your arm. All I know is that those who sow into the kingdom benefits from the king. Sowing and reaping, it's biblical. I had sermon series on that before. God can give on a silver platter without any effort. And that's called grace. You don't have to work for your salvation. But in regards to other profitable things, I want you to know that God, there are seasons that God says, there's a plunder and profit I want you to receive. There are good things I want you to receive. But sometimes you have to go and take that city. These are strategies that I'm giving you. You cannot hide behind your excuses, your laziness, or your limiting beliefs, because I'm above that. God who calls you, enables you, empowers you, and gives you strategies. Amen? Thank you for listening to this podcast from the Blessing Place Wesley Chapel. We hope you feel honored, empowered, and full of faith because of what you hear. And we would love to see you at our gathering soon. For more resources like this, head to trpfamily.org.